Well, I'm Carl Higby in for Greg Kelly while he's out this Friday. We have got to dispel this myth that the Democratic Party is anything but foolish. I'm serious. I think it's time we seriously examine the difference between educated and intelligent. Just because you went to Harvard doesn't mean you are smart. Just because you have a master's degree in non-binary rhythmic gymnastics or basket weaving doesn't mean that your opinion is at all more valid than anyone else. On the contrary, I believe that if you spent four to eight years in school and you have 200 grand in student debt for a gender studies degree like so many liberals have, one might make the argument you're actually pretty stupid. So Joe Biden's been telling us this for years. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. People who are actually smart don't have to go around telling people how smart they think they actually are. By the way, half those statements were proven to be false by liberal media. The Democrats and their party view themselves as some highbrow, lofty, ivory tower liberals who poop don't stink because of their degrees and some notion that they're somehow, I don't know, like morally superior to Republicans. Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, oh, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> You, you elitist with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your math and your reading. Well, yeah. How's it working out now that they're in charge? These are the same folks who, for the most part, have just lived their entire lives like these two idiots on either side of Don Lemon. Are in fact, they haven't actually accomplished anything in their life. They report on people who accomplish things, but they don't actually do any of those things themselves. Most of them, they've lived their entire lives largely devoid of any actual experience, hardship, or accomplishment. They have no practical knowledge about half the stuff, probably two-thirds of stuff that comes out of their mouths. And for some reason, they still think the way they do. And I'm about to prove it to you. Folks like this and their ilk have had universal control of the government for over six months now. And the world is literally on fire. With all the criticism of Trump, all the white papers they'd written, all the consultants and fancy suits and Joe Biden's experience on foreign policy, they have utterly, disasterly, completely and totally failed. And it's not like they didn't see this coming. I mean, yesterday, a State Department, a classified State Department cable was brought to light, namely in the Wall Street Journal, and it was reported about two dozen State Department officials serving at the embassy in Kabul sent an inter internal memo to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and another top State Department official last month warning the potential collapse of Kabul and uh, soon and after the August 31st troop withdrawal deadline, according to U.S. official with a person familiar with the cable. Huh. You don't say. So they knew. How about them apples? Hey, did they listen? Nope. A la Hillary Clinton and Benghazi probably thinking, oh, these fools on the ground couldn't possibly know what's best for them. You had all the information 
and you ignored it. Because why? Because Democrats are the party of people that will ignore every aspect of reality. They will lie, cheat, and steal to you. They will tell you that what you are seeing or even holding in your hand is not real until the end of the earth. And when they're caught, they still won't admit it. The developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. I stand squarely behind my decision. There is no good time to leave Afghanistan. You don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. Um, this guy is literally the poster child for term limits, folks. Uh, dude, this guy has been in the Senate so long that he served with people who were born in the 1800s. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but the guy is so old that when he came to the Senate, he could literally turn to a fellow senator who was born around the time that the light bulb was invented. Folks, this is a guy who's been in government for half a century. The guy is not in the, this guy in the briefing room right here. Notice how nobody's around him. That's because he's not actually controlling the situation. They whisked him off to Camp David, so he was out of the way. So he wasn't stumbling into an actual briefing. He's there because they had to keep him out. If he was in charge there, he would be surrounded by generals and advisors and things like that. He's very busy. Where are they? Where are those generals and admirals and, and consultants? They're with the people actually making the decisions, which the scary part is we don't even know who those people are. How bad is it? Who, I mean, literally have created the largest hostage situation, by the way, ever. I mean, Iran crisis, what, what did we have, like 52 citizens held by Iran? Another noodle president, Carter, real shocker there. You know, he, you know what solved that at the end of the day? Reagan. They were released on the day he was inaugurated because the Iranians knew that he was going to smash them as his first act in office. They let him go. That's what we need now, strength. It's weird. It's like we had another president like this. I'm trying to think. Is it rhymed with Trump? I don't know. Look, you can play this again and again and again throughout history. All right. As I mentioned, Benghazi under Obama, another weak leader, no doubt. He, you know, how many countries or embassies fell under Trump? It was like zero, give or take. I'm telling you, folks, this is bad. Because when the Iranian general, like under Trump, when the Iranian general Soleimani plotted to attack a U.S. embassy, Trump turned him into Pinko de Gallo. You get it? And it's not all about, it's not all just about strength. It's about Democrats in general. They love to criticize when they are at the, you know, when, when they are shooting from high. When you're in charge, they have a problem with everything you do. But when they're in charge, I swear, it's like they're aiming for the icebergs. They are terrible. They cannot run anything. The defund the police. Ooh, what could go wrong? Oops, crime spikes. Let's walk that one back. 2006, Al Gore. Oh, you have 10 years before the sea levels rise and kill millions of people. Well, nothing changed and the sea levels didn't rise. Thank God he invented the internet, though. I mean, more recently, Democrats. Everyone, wear a mask. Don't gather. Obama, welcome to my non-mask 700-person party. Other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. Whoop, surgeon COVID in Martha's Vineyard just a few days later. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? I mean, thanks for that gold mine, by the way, Erica Badu. It, it, it's shocking to me. And you play it again and again. You know, Chicago bans guns. 
Highest shooting rate anywhere in the country. Oh, Democrat states. Hey, let's raise taxes to pay for all the crazy stuff we like. Why are people leaving? I don't know. You see what I'm talking about? I want to stop short of calling Democrats domestic terrorists because I don't want to use their talking points. But they literally destroy everything they touch. I always say, America can survive a Barack Obama. They can survive a Jimmy Carter. But you know what we might not be able to survive Joe Biden? It's not, it's not because of him. It's, he's basically a houseplant. But it's because of an electorate that thinks they are so thoroughly educated, yet historically, so historically illiterate, and they have it so good that they think the utopian dream of this radical America must be the only way. You're wrong. If you still think Joe Biden is better than Trump, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I, I, however, will commend your commitment to stupidity. Well, folks, for more on this, I want to I go to uh, Congressman Ronnie Jackson, Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson. Sir, thank you very much for joining us. I, I got to ask you, you've seen this, now you're an elected official. The, the Democratic Party in this Afghanistan thing especially, they had all the information. They prided themselves during the last election versus Trump as you know, historic foreign policy experts. How did they get it so wrong? Carl, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, I saw a four-star general, retired four-star general talking today, and he made a point to say that he could have taken his most junior lieutenant and put them in charge of this, and they would have done a better job and came up with a better plan than, than uh, Secretary Lloyd and all those at the Pentagon came up with on this. It's absolutely insane. I don't know who thinks it makes any sense whatsoever to remove all the military before you do anything else and then go back and then try to get the civilians... Uh, and, you know, all the the uh, immigrants that we want to get out and ever get them out and, and leave all our equipment behind. Right. Uh, it's, it's crazy how they did this. It makes no sense. Yeah. Hey, but the thing to me is, look, I was a SEAL on the ground in Iraq during the pullout. And I, we told them on the ground, like, hey, guys, not a great idea. Let's not do this right now because there's a lot of people here who still want to kill Americans. And when you, you, this is what America does when we leave a conflict sometimes under democratic rule. Hey, you know what? We've won. We're coming home. Bye. No, the enemy gets a say. And when you have the intelligence was there. I have friends that are working for the alphabet agencies, working on the ground. I have spoken to three people on the ground in the last week over this. They knew. They knew. And they couldn't even answer today how many Taliban they think there are. I can tell you there's 30 to 40,000 that, that we know about right now. And the Defense Department won't even admit it. No, it's absolutely true. They, 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 they will not admit it. And and people did know about this. I am sure that we're going to find out that there are a lot of people on the ground, operators like yourself, they're on the ground, that were pushing this information up the chain of command. And it probably made it to the Pentagon. But you know what? That's why this president needs to go. That's why he needs to be impeached at this point for dereliction of duty, because this was all about a political, they were, they were trying to create a, a political image. They wanted this, this pullout done by, by September the 11th. And that was going to be, it was all done for political purposes. Now what's going to happen? On September the 11th, what image are we going to have? We're going to have the image of the embassy in Kabul with the Taliban with the Taliban flag flying over the top of it. That's the image they're going to get now. I know it, it is insane. So and, once again, you know, Joe Biden just sounded totally lost again today during this news conference. And we have we have a soundbite. I want to get your take on this real quick. The NGOs taking out uh, civilians and vulnerable Afghan uh, uh, vulnerable Afghanis. They're doing it in a dangerous place to save other Americans, our Afghan allies, and citizens of our, our, our allies who went in with us. There's a greater danger from ISIS and, 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 and Al-Qaeda and all these affiliates, the idea of... 
I mean, I mean, perhaps not the messenger to portray American strength at this time. Am I wrong? No, not at all. You know, and I, I looked at the transcript from that ABC interview that he did the other day with George Stephanopoulos, and it was horrible. Uh, they, of course, they edited a lot of this stuff out where he looked in, incredibly, uh, you know, lost and foolish. But yeah, this this is insane. And I'll tell you, uh, we we we're going to have to do something about this because this is inspiring. Uh, this is not inspiring confidence in our allies or the American people, and it's sending the wrong message to our to our adversaries. And and we're going to pay a price for this. He is leading us down the wrong path. And you know, we're going to see some horrible images coming out of Afghanistan over the next week or two. Uh, who knows what's going to happen every single day that goes by? This is going to get worse and worse. It's going to get harder and harder for people to get out of there. And it's just going to deteriorate. And we're going to have thousands of Americans that are going to be trapped in there, essentially hostages of the Taliban. Yeah. Well, Congressman, you're a doctor as well. I got to ask you about I got about 20 seconds left. 25th Amendment. I mean, is that feasible at this point? Oh, it's feasible. It's feasible. And you know what it's going to cause? It's going to come from the Democrats. It's not even going to come from the Republicans, because at some point they're not going to be able to cover up for this guy anymore. Already the mainstream media is having a really difficult time covering up what's going on right now. They're actually talking about it. This is the first time in six months they haven't covered up his uh, his mistakes and his, his inability to lead. But if they're, they're, they're going to have a hard time uh, sticking with this. And eventually, here in the next few months, they're going to be the ones talking about the 25th Amendment, getting rid of him, yep. because they're going to have no choice. This guy's got to go. I got to say, Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson, we appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. Stay safe. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it. All right. Doug Collins, Sebastian Gorka, two guys who know a lot about what this Afghanistan pullout should have looked like coming up after the break. Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. Well, just one of the horrifying scenes unfolding today in Afghanistan, right outside the airport in Kabul. Uh, thousands of people, they're scrambling to get over this airport wall. I mean, it's, it's mayhem. This is after rumors that spread that American evacuation flights will take anyone who gets through. It's not the case, so we encourage people to stand down on that. We played you sound of one of Joe Biden saying that, you know, no one's left behind. That's a promise, though, that really, I think, is going to come back to haunt him. You know, seeing headlines like this, the, the Taliban going door to door, hunting down anyone who helped the United States over the past 20 years, uh, it, it is heartbreaking. I want to bring in Doug Collins, former congressman, a Georgia congressman and lieutenant colonel of the Air Force Reserve, and Sebastian Gorka, former White House advisor to the Trump administration, advising on a lot of issues like this, and host of the Gorka Reality Check on Sunday nights on Newsmax. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Doug, I want to go to you first on this. Uh, I have talked to a number of people on the ground. I've talked to a number of people in our IC communities. There is rumor, and it's not been confirmed yet, but there is rumor that these isoprep cards, the cards that when you check into country, I did this when I went over there, they give you a DNA sample, fingerprints, picture. There is rumor that the Taliban occupies the areas where those were stored. I mean, how bad is this? 
this you can't describe how bad this is. And the sad part about it is, is you, you, it's, it's just you have a leader who is completely incompetent. I mean, it, this is you know you hate to say this about your you're the president uh, of the United States, no matter which party you're from. Mm. But this is a complete dereliction of duty. This is something that has made this put us all at risk. For anyone who went through Afghanistan, we saw this. You call you mentioned this earlier about uh, Iraq. This is the the I've, I've said this before. This is the uh, the third term of the Obama administration, full of the same incompetence that we saw in the first eight years. It's just been magnified in the first six months because truly Joe Biden is not in control of what he does. He is trying to please everybody and the rest are, are taking control. And then when you have weak leadership at the Pentagon, Austin and Millie, who are more concerned about vaccines, wokeness and everything else they can except military readiness, this is what you get. This could have been predicted. And it right. was predicted, by the way, and they just chose to ignore it. And, and it's just sad because now we don't know exactly what they do have because we didn't take care of what we should have done. Exactly. And, and obviously nobody, I certainly would never root for either either party's president to fail. I, I, I'm no cheerleader for Joe Biden, obviously. But, you know, this is one of the times where if he came out there with a message of strength, I, I would be right behind him. Sebastian, we got this uh, soundbite of Millie. I, he, I want your reaction to this. The time frame of a rapid collapse that was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. In between studying white rage, that was General Mark Milley. Everyone from the Secretary of Defense all the way up to the President Biden, they all said the same thing. However, uh, in this SIGAR report, uh, ch check out this report from, you know, Special Inspector General of Afghanistan Reconstruction. This is from July of this year, like this, like last month. Particularly concerning was the speed and the ease at which the Taliban seemingly wrestled control of districts in Afghanistan's northern province, once a bastion of anti-Taliban sentiment. The deterioration, deteriorating situation caused the commander of the NATO Resolute Support Mission, General Miller, to tell reporters on June 29th that a civil war path is feasible. Miller added later in an interview, we should be concerned the loss of terrain and the rapid loss of terrain has, has, has to be concerning. Theoretically, Joe Biden, everyone in the military, they've seen this report. I mean, another one was issued in 2017. We saw Iraq fall in very similar instance. Sebastian, you've been in these situation rooms. You've seen stuff like this. If you're sitting there, what do you advise Joe Biden? First things first, horsewhip Mark Milley, cashier him out of the army and put him in the brig. He is a disgrace to the uniform of the United States Army. Amen. This is a man who says he doesn't know what critical race theory is, but it's fine that it's being taught at West Point. He's a man who said on Capitol Hill, I'm white and I want to understand white rage. Well, Mark Milley, you disgrace to America. Perhaps you should find out a little bit more about jihadi rage. And I would say that to your face, you disgrace, you utter utter disgrace to the uniform you wear. I've been in the sit room. I've been in Afghanistan. You've served with the SEALs. In 2006, I toured four different provinces in Afghanistan. I went to the military academy, our taxpayers built, and I got a lovely PowerPoint from the PAO saying, oh, this is how many NCOs we graduated. This is how many officers we graduated for the Afghan National Security Forces. Then I did a bit of digging around myself. And you know what I found out, Carl? I found out that within six days of graduating, 
those Afghan so-called soldiers, when they picked up their last per diem in dollars, more than 40% of them disappeared back to their tribal areas. We trained the enemy that is now holding Bagram. I knew it in 2006. You knew it when you served. And if Biden didn't know it, it's mm. because he's bloody senile. End of story. Yeah, I mean, I'll put, well, so I'll put Mark Milley for a definite maybe to your birthday party. But Doug, I want to get to you on this. Um, <laughs> when I was in Iraq, we had a bunch of Humvees left over. I was there during the drawdown. We drove all the Humvees into a big bunch. We called in airstrikes on them so th these guys wouldn't get them when we left. And, you know, back in 2015, then candidate Trump was way ahead of his time talking about leaving advanced weaponry in Iraq. Listen to this. And every time we give Iraq equipment, the first time a bullet goes off in the air, they leave it. Last week I read 2,300 Humvees. These are big vehicles were left behind for the enemy. 2,000, you would say maybe two, maybe four. 2,300 sophisticated vehicles they ran and the enemy took them. I got about 30 seconds left, but is he wrong? No, he's not wrong. In fact, we're seeing it played out. I mean, when you see it in truth, you, you recognize it. Here's the problem. You had a military, Millie and others who just didn't know what they're doing. There's no way that this was there was a plan. There was no way this was worked out. You do not pull the military out. I mean, when you leave Bagram Air Base and you leave a, a prison now, which has been uh, uh, let go, and you don't take care of the equipment, if you see it's going to be let go, you blow it up. That didn't happen. This is total, complete failure at the Pentagon at the highest level. Yeah, well, our government doesn't trust you and I with AR-15s, but sure, you can have a Black Hawk helicopter. Sebastian Gorka, Doug Collins, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks. Thanks. Good to see you. All right, folks. Major Second Amendment battle is headed to the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that next. News breaks every minute every day you need the app the newsmax app find it free on your smartphone store then watch us anytime anywhere nothing i'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the second amendment they're phony arguments suggesting that these are second amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about but no amendment no amendment to the constitution is absolute you can't yell crowd, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. We call it freedom of speech. From the very beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own. That's always the speech they give you right before they say, we're going to take this or tax that or restrict that. I mean, Biden is not in tune on the Second Amendment. And his nominee for the ATF is just stuck in limbo because Senate Democrats don't have the votes to confirm him because he's crazy. And now we're about two months away from the Supreme Court taking up a major, major, major Second Amendment case. Does the Constitution guarantee the right to carry a weapon outside the home? Eric Pratt is a senior vice president of Gun Owners of America, and Bill Whittle is a conservative commentator and author of Silent America. Eric, I want to go to you first on this. Uh, this is the potential brand for national reciprocity and a rally cry for Republicans, no? Well, we're certainly looking forward to that. And I should say, Gun Owners of America is very excited to be part of this case uh, because it has huge implications for gun rights everywhere. Uh, the Supreme Court's going to be hearing oral arguments in this case in November. And really what's at stake is, does the right to keep and bear arms apply to everyone 
or just the privileged few? Because, you know, Howard Stern can get a carry permit in New York City. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, well, he doesn't need a permit. Uh, he's got billions of dollars. He hired 15 security guards mm -hmm. when he left the mayor's position. He has the, the money to afford protection. Right. But if you're an average Joe, New York City won't issue you a permit. Yep. And uh, that's the problem with turning God-given rights into privileges. Well, I know this firsthand. I'm a former Navy SEAL of nine years. I'm an NRA poster child for gun ownership, and they won't give me a permit. So, uh, you know, Bill, I I've been making this case, though, that for Republicans for <laughs> years, that they're not listening to their base. Gun owners are the most active base anywhere. And another smart guy I know actually made the same argument about 10 years ago. Take a listen. The GOP leadership and all of the national level candidates, again with one or two exceptions, are victim of Stockholm Syndrome. The pop culture has beaten them up so severely that they are utterly unwilling to stand for what they claim to believe in publicly. They're, in, in a way, ashamed of it. I have sent this speech to thousands of people in the time that I have seen it. Why are Republicans so afraid to stand up for core principles like this? Well, first of all, I wouldn't listen to one thing that that idiot you just played said. He has no idea what he's talking about. Um, look, the, the problem is is that is that the the Republican leadership and, in fact, virtually everybody who's talking about this issue don't understand the language of the argument. Now, we just heard the president of the United States say that you can't stand up and shout crowd in a burning theater, right? It, it, it's all about the language. When we deal with this issue, we always get ourselves bogged down in, well, is a 30-round magazine, or is that a large capacity? The question is just very simple. We need to trot out a young woman who's, whose life has been saved by a handgun, and we need to say, does this person have a right to defend their life against, against assault, rape, and murder? Yes or no? That's it. That's all. Is she required to lie down on the ground and become a chalk outline so that you have talking points at your cocktail party? Or does this individual person right here with a face have a right to defend their own life? Yes or no? Period. That's that's the entire discussion. Bacteria can defend themselves. You know, <laughs> snakes defend themselves. I have to tell you. One of the best arguments for this I ever saw was an argument where I saw a piece of wildlife footage where an orca, a killer whale, chased this seal up on the beach. Sometimes they'll run them on ground so they have nowhere else to go. And this enormous killer whale came right out of the beach. This little seal pup missed being cut in half by half, that much. And the seal pup turned around and bit him on the nose. And I say to myself, does that seal have an obligation to be the the dinner for that that, that seal doesn't have an it doesn't have a right to turn right. around and bite that thing on the nose. Right. Anybody watching these kind of videos understands how this works. Yeah. And we always 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 fall into the trap of making this a political argument, a policy argument, all the rest of it. It's not. It's a simple moral argument. And and when we get down to that level, Right. then we are in a situation where we can actually win this thing. Right. Well, that may be the most succinct definition I've ever heard or any defense for, for the right to keep and bear arms. But, you know, Eric, I want to go to you. Biden's ATF nominee, this guy is a dumpster fire in and of itself, but he is really not off to a good start. Listen to this. Define assault weapons. Um, assault weapons would be something that um, members of Congress would define. Well, how do you define it? You're going to be running the agency. Um, I... Senator, I think this is a good question. If I am um, confirmed as ATF director... Um, I got 35 seconds left. Define it for me, would you please, sir? Um, What's an assault there, weapon? 
Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is what is your dozens of pages. Of There's no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. You're going to run an aid, this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. But I would be enforcing the definition that members yeah, of but Congress you're be have. issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition. Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me your definitions. Uses. One definition that ATF currently. Give me your definition. I can give you one definition. If you won't answer my question, I, how can I vote for you? I'm done, Mr. Chairman. I don't think I'm going to get an answer. <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing at this. I've seen this video a hundred times. He, it he never will likely be the next Secretary of Defense. Mark he, my words. He, he could. He could be. But uh, Eric, I, this is the guy that we're going up against against lawsuits. Can't even define what he wants to regulate. Well, of course he doesn't want to define it because then he would have to start naming off some of the most popularly owned guns in America. Look, this is the most anti-gun pick that there's ever been for the ATF. He's worked for Bloomberg. He's worked for the Giffords organization. <laughs> putting him in charge of the yeah. ATF is like putting a child killer in charge of a daycare center. It's not going to end well. Thankfully, his nomination is in trouble, as you were pointing out. Yeah. Gun Owners of America has generated tens of thousands of emails and phone calls into the Senate, yep. and uh, it's uh, on uh, life support right now, his nomination. It's working. Unfortunately, we got to leave it there, gentlemen. I could go on this all night. Eric Pratt, Bill Whittle, uh, the book Silent America. Get it. It's good. Don't miss it. All right, folks, police officers getting the right to sue protesters who verbally harass them. Good or bad? We're talking to the sheriff of L.A. County after the break. It was the summer of love here in New York City. Black Lives Matter looting and burning Big Apple because, you know, that's what you do when you're a liberal and you're mad about I don't, something, anything. In this case, it was the death of George Floyd. And then and in other many cases, officers found themselves in the crossfire, oftentimes under attack with, you know, really no authority to even protect themselves. Nassau County, just outside of New York City, saw this happen last summer and took action, passing new legislation that makes police officers a protected class. That means they can sue for discrimination over verbal abuse under hate crime laws. So Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva joins me now. I like it. You? I think it's interesting. That could lead us to some very strange places, perhaps, because at some point, if everybody becomes a protected class, there's no one left to, to sue. But I think anything that cops can do to uh, protect themselves from the onslaught of things that get thrown at them, physically accosted, and now the doxing issue now where they're putting peace officers' uh, addresses online. I've been a victim of that myself. It's nice to have some recourse against that to go after the perpetrators. Yeah. And something that gets me, though, is the, is the more the culture behind the relationship with police departments. When I was a kid, when I was, you know, 5, 10, 15, even 20 years old, when I saw a police officer, I respected them. If I got pulled over, my hands were on the wheel. I paid attention when, yes, sir, no, sir, only did when he said... You know, he knew that I was not a threat. Did I reach for my license and registration? Like, where did this go wrong in society? Well, when parents decided to, well, not abdicate their role as parents and decide that respecting the rule of law and authority is not uh, something you cherish in society. And then look what happens as a result of that now. One of the three things that's going to keep people alive in confrontation with law enforcement is respect authority. And don't use violence to settle conflicts. Leave guns at home, for example. Those basic things would eliminate probably 100% of all uh, officer-involved shootings. Yet, 
they won't touch that. Yeah. No, the woke crowd, they're insisting they're just going to keep eroding at our civil society in every which way possible and trying to excuse, you know, violent behavior and just undesirable behavior that makes everyone unsafe. Yeah, but we're also seeing nationwide on the counter side of this. Like, I live in Connecticut where we have this, this socialist republic, and they're actually talking about getting rid of qualified immunity for police department, which means that if you're a cop and you pull someone over and they don't like you, they can sue you and say, oh, well, I'm going after the not only the police officer, but I'm going at the after the police man behind the uniform, which means they can come after your house, your kids, your pension, all that stuff. I, I mean, it, are we living in a clown world? Well, you know what? That's his woke privilege right there on steroids. And basically, the people that are proposing all these things are not the ones that are going to need law enforcement to save their bacon when the bad guy comes knocking on the door. Not get knocking on the door, crashing through their door. They're the first ones to call 911, mm -hmm. expect someone to show up and save their hide. Yet they've been working their entire life demonizing law enforcement and then miraculously don't understand why people don't want to be cops anymore. But yeah. that might be their end game. Yeah, I, but that's the thing. We've seen the defund over and over again, and they're always refunding it because they're like, whoa, crime is spiking. I mean, who could exactly. have possibly seen that coming? I, when, when, we, when we see this model, though, where this is a place that has been openly said, you know what, police officers, we got your back. Is this, is, you think we're going to see other police officer or police departments follow this? Well, it'd be a nice trend to see people, you know, reverse the tide and start to get politicians to behave responsibly. Mm -hmm. Because look at all the efforts of elected leaders to demonize law enforcement. You know it across the entire country. They're tripping over themselves thinking about, hey, if I demonize law enforcement, mm -hmm. make them the bad guys, I'm going to look better for the next election. Right. But everyone who's in office today was elected two years ago or four years ago. Yeah. The changing dynamics are now one that maybe we need to protect law enforcement so right. they're there to do their job. Well, I, I, sir, you have my support as a law enforcement officer. I appreciate everything you do. Sheriff Alex Villanueva, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you. Well, Joe Biden saying our mission in Afghanistan was to get Osama bin Laden. Wait to hear what he told Barack Obama back in 2012 when he was vice president. Stick around. Our mission to degrade the terrorist threat of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and kill Osama bin Laden was a success. The United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan, to get the terrorists who attacked us on 9-11 and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden. To me, it was absolutely clear, absolutely clear. We went for two reasons, to rid of bin Laden and to end a safe haven. Well, President Houseplan has said that countless times over the past few months. Forget about the fact that it's not even true. Even he doesn't believe it. First of all, bin Laden wasn't in Afghanistan when he was killed. Bin Laden was killed in Pakistan and not Afghanistan. Bin Laden killed U.S. forces in Pakistan. Just when you thought U.S.-Pakistani relations couldn't get any worse, Osama bin Laden, the most wanted man in the world, is found and killed living in a house just a few blocks away from Pakistani military facilities. So you remember, remember back when Biden was vice president advising Barack Obama, he didn't even want to stay in Afghanistan. Got to me and said, Joe, what do you think? I said, we owe the man a direct answer. Mr. President, my suggestion is don't go. We have to do two more things to see if he's there. Hmm. Didn't want to go get bin Laden either. Doug Weed is a presidential historian and author of Inside Trump's White House. Dick Morris is a former advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump and host of Dick Morris Democracy right here on Newsmax. Uh, Doug, I'll get to you first on this. Uh, Biden, you know, 
just completely fumbled this whole thing, but it's, it's the, the haunting of history with him. He wanted to go get, you know, he didn't want to go get bin Laden at the time because he didn't think it was a powerful political talking point. Now he wants to get out of Afghanistan. Now he can't decide or remember where he was. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, this is really, really bad for him. This is a huge tragedy. I wrote a book called The Iran Crisis. In that crisis, there were 52 Americans held hostage. In this crisis, there will be thousands of right. Americans held hostage. This is a self-inflicted wound. Jimmy Carter didn't cause the Iran hostage crisis. Some say he, he flubbed it, didn't have America's military strong enough to be able to make the rescue. But Joe Biden has caused this by his action. This is a terrible tragedy. It isn't over. Yeah. Well, Dick, I got to ask you about humanitarian aid and, uh, you know, what the refugees are doing over there, because right now there's a lot of people that need a lot of supplies and a lot of help, because essentially when America pulls out of something, a lot of the infrastructure falls. What are you hearing about this? Well, I hope your viewers have their seatbelts on. Usually it's hard to do that on a couch, but I hope you keep a seatbelt on when you hear this. The Biden administration is seriously considering extending $500 million of foreign humanitarian aid to the Taliban for the Afghan people. The uh, budget for this year calls for $500 million of humanitarian aid. And the White House, a huge number of people in it, maybe the deciding group, want to continue that aid. Mm -hmm. Now, it used to be that we gave foreign aid to countries after they won a war, after we beat them in a war, right. like Japan and Germany. This is the unique time we're giving foreign aid to somebody to beat us in a war. So, I, well, I talked to a couple people over at, you know, Foreign Affairs and, and things like that down in D.C., and they said that um, as of now, it's paused. What are you hearing, though, further on that, Dick? Yeah, well, they're, they're hitting a pause button because they don't want to pass out the checks while there's no post office there to deliver them. But, uh, but come on, the, the momentum for this is incredible. The idea that, that this isn't just laughed out of the White House, right. the idea that anyone could seriously come into a meeting at the White House and say, I think we should give foreign aid to the Taliban, is insane. It's ridiculous. And uh, the, the fact that they're even considering it shows where their mindset is. Yeah, well, speaking of mindset, we have a, uh, an interesting thing I want to take a look at of, of Joe Biden. Roll it. The NGOs taking out uh, civilians and vulnerable Afghan, uh, uh, vulnerable Afghanis. They're doing it in a dangerous place to save other Americans, our Afghan allies, and citizens of our, our, our allies who went in with us. There's a greater danger from ISIS and, 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 and Al-Qaeda and all these affiliates. The idea of, again, let me, let me, let me, let me get back to the fundamental point I, I made. And so my guess is that no matter what, under what circumstances we, anyone, there's not a whole lot of Afghanis. Uh, uh, there's a whole lot of Afghanis that just as soon come to America, whether they're any involvement with the United States in the past at all, rather than stay. All right. So, Doug, I'm going to I want to unpack this word salad we just heard. But even <laughs> Kamala Harris was in the background rolling her eyes. She knows she's on camera. She still did it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, something that has not been, by the way, I love Dick Morris. It's good to see you on this panel, Dick. The one thing that you. I haven't Thank seen you. on television, and I've been watching it all day long, this hasn't been explained. Many of the Americans, of the thousands of Americans in Afghanistan that they're leaving behind, uh, 
are American citizens who were in the military, who retired, who should have come home to their wives and families, and the U.S. begged them to stay and go on contract and assist the Afghan army. There must have been some kind of congressional limits on the number of forces in Afghanistan. So there are thousands of American contractors who are ex-military, retired military, who never dreamed when they signed on to stay another year that the U.S. government would abandon them in Taliban territory. It's, this is a great tragedy. Yeah, I mean, where I come from, I, you know, I, I came from a place where if you had bad guys, you went and got them. If you had problems, you went and solved them. You don't have to dilly-dally with the people you have, you know, with, with all this bureaucracy right now, but it appears we're just not willing to do it. Doug Weed, Dick Morris, thank you very much. Thank you, Carl. Uh, folks, I gotta say, on the back of that, I, I am really befuddled by the idea that we just can't roll right in there with the 6,000 additional troops we just put there and go get our Americans back. Speaking of that, we'll be right back. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Well, remember when they tried to say that we're all insurrectionists for trying to support Donald Trump and, and uh, January 6th was pre-planned? Turns out Reuters actually reported this, that uh, the FBI found scant evidence, that's their word, not mine, that there was any type of coordination actually from the statement says 90 to 95 percent of these are one-off cases, said former senior law enforcement official with knowledge of the investigation. Weird. It's almost like we're just American citizens and some people that attended that thing, did something dumb. I think that's about it. But Donald J. Trump is back on the MAGA circuit, folks. He is back. He is going to be with it. He'll be hosting a giant rally tomorrow in Coleman, Alabama, just north of Birmingham. Pre-show coverage begins right here on Newsmax at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to be carrying the entire rally live. I think we're one of the few networks that still does that. This begins at 8 p.m. Allegedly, he'll be on stage, but he, you know how he likes to make an entrance. That's Eastern Time. National Report host Sean Christman will be anchoring our coverage. That's going to do it tonight. Thanks for watching. Greg Pelley will be back on Monday, so have a great weekend. Tune in to make sure you see me tomorrow, 9 to 11 a.m. Saturday Report. We'll see you at the rally.